Today on Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about Paul Byron's change with his role with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, training camp news and notes, some kinds of, you know, some thoughts about that. And finally, we have our thoughts on the Mike Babcock situation and all that's coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 916 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. As always, only take medication as directed by a licensed physician. My name is Laura Saba, and I'm not joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla, who is traveling uh, at the moment. Uh, and I am here to react to the news that Paul Byron has retired um, and is now joining the Montreal Canadiens in a player development capacity. I think the writing was on the wall for Paul Byron. I think it was pretty clear that he was not going to be able to come back to play hockey after all his injury issues. Uh, he really, truly gave it his all every single day that he was a professional hockey player. And I think the Canadians fans really appreciated him for that. I think Paul Byron also had a lot of leadership capacity, which I think is a good reason why they want him here as player development. He's an extremely intelligent person. Um, and, you know, he was one of those players that you always want in your depth. Uh, he obviously uh, really, truly put it all on the line for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, he and his family were really big parts of the Montreal Canadiens community, right? His family was so happy to, you know, they're from here. Uh, he loved living here. He loved playing here. He loved being a part of our community. And I think fans really, really, really appreciated that about him. He was also great very fast skater uh, when he was able to. But I think, you know, it all just caught up with him and his body just couldn't handle the uh, physical play of hockey. It took a long time for him to recover. He kept getting setbacks. So there was kind of an idea that this was going to happen. Obviously, when the Canadians announced their training camp roster and all of that, um, he was not on the list at all. Uh, and... I don't think that he was sitting there expecting to play, but I do appreciate that the Montreal Canadiens brought him on. They recognized his off-ice talent and they brought him on uh, to help with their player development. And I think he's really one of those people that you would consider right for the job, not just in terms of uh, skills coaching, but also in terms of how to be a good member of the community, how to conduct yourself how to give back how to really appreciate being part of the players how to mature how to be a grown-up um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the Canadians had uh, Logan Mayu paired with him he was apparently staying with him while he was in Montreal so you know he's definitely somebody the Canadians think highly of they think he's a really good 
influence on the players from a fan perspective what i do what i will i not what i will miss um i i do miss him like i will miss him like his presence on the team but he's going to be around like he's going to be part of the team just in an extremely different capacity so we're not going to be able to see him very much on uh the post game scrums and and all of that but he is somebody whose presence will be felt by the fans anyway in the way that he helps to develop all of these young players i think the leadership aspect of paul byron is extremely underrated and it's not that people don't think highly of it i think he's just so good at that kind of thing i also really appreciate that he wanted to stay here i appreciate that the canadians saw that in him and they gave you know they gave him that opportunity it was a really mutually beneficial um uh, i guess transition for paul byron uh and he definitely seems like somebody who has front office potential in the future uh, and he could grow within the ranks of a hockey organization so I think that Paul Byron definitely in his retirement will still stay around the game he's not gonna be one of those players that comes up with a different venture and like moves out of the game completely I think he's definitely going to stay around the game uh, in a front office or coaching capacity uh, for a very very long time Uh, from a fan perspective I think my favorite Paul Byron moment and there were quite a few of them but really, it was that goal against Toronto in the opening game of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2021. I think that's one where I'm always going to remember it. I'm always going to be happy about it. At the same time, reading his letter made me sad uh, because he, like I said, he definitely was somebody who really appreciated his time here and the fans really loved him. And it's just sad that he, it was the the, ter- the deterioration of his body unfortunately there's no nicer way to put that um that caused him to have to step away from playing hockey because i think that if he had the choice and if if his body would have allowed it or if his health would have allowed it i think he would have stayed a, a hockey player and also he would have wanted to be a montreal canadian for years and years to come uh, at the same time like i'm glad he's sticking around he's somebody that also like he it really made me laugh um just kind of the way he was he seems very unassuming he seems very like aw shucks he's not somebody who thinks too highly of himself who who feels like who acts like he's too big for the game or for the city he's definitely like that 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 kind of friendly everyman personality is something that like I always really really enjoyed from him and he was always very thoughtful like the Canadians haven't had very much great success while he's been here so he was always ready to answer reporter questions after tough games after good games as well but after tough games and he was there and he would answer both in English and French and it was clear the French was not his first language but he would answer in both languages he would answer tough questions he would take accountability um and like that's something that like what more can you ask for from a leader uh, on your team and you know the fact that he was given the A in the past. It was a huge honor for him. And I think he carried the weight of that really well. He is one of those players. We love to say that on this podcast. He knew what it means to be a Montreal Canadian. Uh, but he really did. And so the fact that he's going to stay in a, in a different capacity, a Montreal Canadian, it just makes me so, so happy. Uh, and I want to ask all of you for your favorite Paul Byron moments, whether it's a clip from an interview, whether it's some of the off-ice stuff that the Canadian's marketing team has them doing, whether it's a moment on the ice, um, you know, jokes and things like that, any, any, anything, any goals, like for me, as you know, 
Uh, it is definitely that goal against Toronto. Anything like that, please, please, please share that so that I can read it on the mailbag episode. And speaking of the mailbag episode, that is coming tomorrow. So please send us your questions at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave them in the YouTube comments if you put mailbag question. Uh, you can DM them or reply on Twitter uh, with your questions. Uh, we will take them as well. Uh, you can find me personally on social media. I'm on all of them as the active stick. So you can submit your questions that way as well. We haven't gotten locked on Canadians on all the platforms just yet. But anywhere where I'm the active stick, you can definitely shoot shoot me a question. Our preferred method is always locked on Canadians at gmail.com. It's the easiest way to curate them. It's the easiest way for you to ask a question with no character limit. Uh, people have said that they're having trouble DMing the show account. The DMs are, uh, I guess, public or whatever it is. But I don't know. Maybe Twitter doesn't let you DM people if you're not if you're not verified or something. I don't know. Either way, um, it's important for you to send your mailbag questions in uh, so that we will have an episode on Friday. In the meantime. I do want to talk about a couple of news and notes from training camp. Uh, and that's all going to be coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by AG1. I use AG1 because I was so tired of taking so many supplements and I needed a single solution that would support my entire body and cover my nutritional bases every single day. I wanted better gut health. I wanted a boost in energy. I wanted immune system support. I didn't really like trying to keep track of vitamins, pills, supplements, things like that. So I wanted something that was easy um, and I wanted something that I could incorporate into all my days. So I have it in the mornings, you know, before starting my day. And it makes me feel so, so good. It makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself and I'm ready to tackle the day. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, just like I did, you can simplify it and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the training camp and uh, some news and notes that I wanted to bring up in the show. Obviously, the first thing is that the Montreal Canadiens have announced that Christian Dvorak was going to be out until November. It's not something we didn't know. It's not brand new news. We knew he was injured. We knew he wasn't gonna he was gonna miss the start of the season. But the Canadians had never officially told us how long and when. When he did go undergo the procedure, there was a maybe four months, something like that. Uh, but now they've announced that he's going to miss the first month of the season for sure, um, and potentially beyond. So what does that mean for the Montreal Canadiens? Not a whole lot at first, obviously, other than LTIR savings. Uh, but it's gonna make it tougher for them to trade him. When he comes back, they're going to hope they're going to need to hope that he has a lot of consistency. He's a player with a lot of value to a team that's looking for depth centers, and he hasn't worked out in the way that Montreal Canadiens fans had hoped. Uh, in context, I think he didn't ha really have a whole lot to work with. I do like Christian Dvorak as a player. Uh, obviously, the team likes him, 
and uh, he's, you know, he's BFFs with some of the other uh, players like Cole Caulfield, et cetera, et cetera. So he's definitely somebody that it's not like he has no value. It's just that he has more value to the Montreal Canadiens uh, being traded than he does on the roster. Like there's quite a bit of logjam at center. There are a lot of prospects that really want that opportunity. Uh, we didn't see very much of what we wanted from Christian Dvorak. So there is incentive to trade him and so this really kind of delays that quite a bit it doesn't derail it completely but it does delay that quite a bit he's also not that expensive for his potential it's just that we haven't seen that in Montreal at this moment in time so I I don't think it's the end of the world that he's not on the roster I think it's just going to make it tougher in the long run for them to trade him um but I'm not too, too fussed. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was, so we were talking a lot about, or not, we weren't talking a lot. Uh, I had an instant reaction to the Tanner Pearson trade. um, And we have a really interesting comment here on YouTube about it. I just wanted to bring it up because I just, I just wanted to give that perspective uh, from a listener that kind of made me look at it in a better way. And obviously also with Christian Dvorak out, he is going to be useful. Let's not, uh, let's not uh, discount that. Uh, And this question comes from Paul G on YouTube, a regular listener, regular commenter. So thank you to Paul G. And here's the comment. If you take a step back, they had to get rid of Hoffman and Pitlick and rather than buy them out and having about half of Hoffman's salary stuck until next year, and then they get nothing. They got a depth defenseman, a depth forward, a second, a third, and fourth round pick for essentially taking on the same amount of salary in both years that they had, if as they would have, had they released both Hoffman and Pitlick. So that's not bad. And then somebody replies, not bad, pure genius. So if you look at it in those terms, I think the trade-off is really, really, really good. Um, And it's making me feel better by the moment about the trade in general. So I completely forgot the part about the flexibility that the Canadians are going to get with Christian Dvorak out, having Tanner Pearson for the first part of the season. And then again, they can have him as trade bait, et cetera, et cetera. We're not sure what's going to happen there, but like my feeling, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, is that this was not an isolated move. Like he was brought here and can be traded um, essentially. All right, so training camp is starting. The Canadians have a new player. We talked a little bit about what we were expecting to see and what we are hoping for. And honestly, the training camp roster is not like shocking in any way. Um, I like there were no surprises on there. Uh, they also clearly, you know, they've got a schedule for what's going to take place. So the training camp schedule is pretty extensive. They, on the day that we're recording this, they had their medical, they reported for medicals and fitness testing. And then the next few days are uh, fill, filled with uh, scrimmages. And obviously, Martin St. Louis will be giving his media availability. So that's the next few days. And then on Sunday, it is the red versus white intra-squad scrimmage, which for whatever reason for me always signals the start of the preseason I'm like, that's what's going on. That like that scrimmage 
is that moment where you know the season is back, everything's getting ready to start. And sure enough, the following day, they're going to be playing a preseason game against New Jersey. And then they've got, so they've got that game against Ottawa. And then after that, they've got a couple games against Toronto. And then they're going to be going away to Mont-Tremblant, as is kind of a tradition for most, most teams in the preseason. They'll go away for a few days and sort of bond as a team. And then they'll be back. Uh, on Monday, October the 9th. And then guess what? The regular season starts up, which is so exciting. And there's just, there's so many people on this roster uh, that I'm excited to see. I'm excited to welcome back. I'm excited to see after that, that rookie uh, showcase, what's going to, like, who's going to really um, try to fight for a place in the, um, in the NHL roster, who's going to show themselves, who's going to separate themselves from the pack in terms of the people that will either get sent down or will stay on with the big club, even maybe through opening night. And this moment in time always feels to me like the the one where we're filled most with hope. It's before people go down with injuries. It's before a season gets derailed. It's before a losing streak to open the season. It's before losing that opening game. It's before eight game losing streaks. You know, the ones we used to see in the past, it's before an abysmal power play. Like this is the moment where there's so much hope still on the roster. And I'm so, so excited. Um, And obviously we will have all the notes from training camp uh, as we go through and I do have to remind you, though, that tomorrow is that mailbag episode, and I want to make sure that everybody sends in their mailbag questions to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can leave them in the YouTube comments, and you can also tweet them at us. In the meantime, our next segment is actually one that I pulled out of the previous episode because I wanted to use that first segment in yesterday's episode to react to the Tanner Pearson trade. So our thoughts, I had recorded thoughts on Mike Babcock uh, with Scott prior to his departure for his travel and so I want to bring in that episode so what you're going to be hearing immediately after this is our thoughts on Mike Babcock but first this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs what are Bird Dogs they are the most comfortable and stylish pair of pants or shorts that you will ever own and I'm waving my pet at you because that's how sure I am I'm pointing at you that's how sure I am that you are going to love your bird dogs. What are they like? Like I said, they're shorts and pants. They're comfortable. I said comfortable so many, so many times. But did I tell you that they're also stylish? Literally, they would work for anything. Let's say you're going to help me move, which is something my brother-in-law did in bird dogs a couple of months ago. Let's say you were going to go out on the town. Let's say there's date night. Let's say you want to just literally walk around across, down the boardwalk. Bird dogs are the pants for you. You're going to look so, so good in them, but they feel so comfortable it's like you're not even making an effort but you look amazing so definitely definitely check out bird dogs for yourself don't just literally don't take my word for it but i know what i'm talking about because you will not want to take these off and if you want to try them for yourself i promise you you will not want to take them off you'll not regret this go to birddogs.com slash locked on nhl or enter promo code locked on nhl at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. 
And the question has arisen, first of all, it was whether or not this was an actual thing that happened, and then it was whether or not it made players uncomfortable, and then now it's whether or not it is appropriate or not. And there's obviously a lot of debate going on. Oh, the players are too soft. Oh, I don't know. So Scott, I haven't allowed you an opportunity to even talk yet, and we are three minutes into the episode. Um, What are your impressions of the story that's going on? So the thing with this is because I know Boone Jenner was on the pod. He's like, yeah, he asked us to see our phone. Then like he airplayed some of the photos to like a TV in his office or something. And the accounts of everything have varied on this from it's like inconsequential to it's extremely uncomfortable. And Mike Babcock, based on his past on his past behavior, probably doesn't get or deserve the benefit of the doubt in this situation here. And I also look at this on the outside of that. If this is meant to be like a, hey, can you show me some photos of things that are important to you on your phone kind of thing? That it's like, do you have pictures of like your kids or your significant other, your pets, just stuff you like to do so we can talk about them and I get to learn more about you as a player? It would seem completely innocuous in that there is nothing to this that is, it's a good coach building exercise. It's like when... Uh, Like when I was introduced at my new job, I helped my boss put together a slideshow that has some of my personal photos and information about myself to show to new coworkers, to people that we work with and stuff. And that's understanding on this. The way it's been approached is it seems like, hey, just show me your phone, show me stuff on your phone as in your photos here. And it's just kind of like the best intentions. There can always be good intentions behind something, but if you approach it in a way and you're someone with Mike Babcock's history behind that, it comes off looking completely different, looking a lot worse overall. And that's a hard thing to, to wrestle with here. And I think that's the part that I'm struggling with is that it's like, I think it was probably meant to be well-intentioned. Babcock doesn't probably get, the benefit of the doubt here in this situation and that it also might be being warped by people and i and by people i mean likely mike commodore being the person who would be texting the hosts of said podcast because they're all friends and we all know mike commodore has his own grudge with babcock rightly or wrong that's at the point of this the whole situation is very it would it's preventable in that if babcock had told people like hey going into training camp and informal stuff just send me some of your important photos or something like that off your phone so we can go through and get to, you know, learn about each other. None of this probably happens. Approaching it in the way that it has is bad. And if there's something more to this that they uncovered in the investigation, obviously we can go from there. It's been hard to keep up with the information on this because of the sources involved with everything. I just, the whole thing feels very, it feels gross and also somehow over i don't want to say overblown that sounds negative i it's just a very weird like conflicting emotion of things here because i don't think it was meant with ill will as far as i can tell but it's hard to not see it that way given previous history and that's the that's the thing as well is that he's coming in with a lot of baggage and i just there's a couple things that i do want to mention um just in case people did not know this if your employer is the one paying for your phone always be careful because they can take it and look at anything that's on it. So if ever you are given a company phone, do not use it as your personal phone. 
get a different phone because anything they're paying for, you can be held liable for anything that you do on that phone that your company is paying for. So that's one thing. Just always make sure. So if it's a phone where it's like the team is providing it for, for the players and, and, and all of that, it's not like you do have some expectation of privacy, but it's, there's always the expectation that they could grab it and look through it and consequences uh, and you'll have to face consequences based on what's on that phone. But it's exactly like Scott said, like if it was a team building exercise or whatever, like I do think that it's 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 actually a nice thing to like, you know, what's important to you, maybe not, you know, demanding to see the phone or whatever, it should be voluntary in all those cases. But the, the I think the big thing was that a couple of the star players said it didn't make them uncomfortable, but a couple of the newer younger players said that it did. And it, it kind of opens up the question as to how much of a right to your personal life does your coach have and if it's somebody like Mike Babcock who's known to be intimidating who's known to be a little bit of a tough coach or a lot of a tough coach who's known to have exhibited like um you know has has crossed boundaries in the past like do you have the option where you feel like you can say no uh and all of that so I definitely think that there's a lot going on here but it's just you know it's just to remind everybody if your employer's paying for your phone like they have a right to look at it and also um to to uh enact consequences based on what's on there in terms of the players themselves and paul beeson and stuff like that looks like a little bit of a split between people who are like a little bit quote unquote old school and a lot like the the younger up-and-coming players who have probably a little bit more of awareness of how they should be treated and i i saw like a lot of comments being like what's the big deal everyone's so sensitive nowadays and i just always whenever this happens like I just always want to ask, like, why is it okay for a hockey player and not you? Like, if your boss walked into your office and demanded to see your photos on your phone, like, how would you be, how would you feel about it? If your boss wanted you to display your personal life in front of the entire team at a conference meeting or your monthly team meetings or weekly team meetings or whatever, like, how would you feel about that? And and so, like, why is it something that's appropriate? Why is it okay for for hockey players to be treated to a standard that the rest of us would not expect in a workplace. Like this is something that always comes up. So again, like at this point, we're not really sure where this investigation is going to go, but I do think that the biggest, most important thing is boundaries and consent here. And you do have a right to privacy, even if you are a hockey player, even if you're a very famous hockey player and you're a player that, that plays for Mike Babcock or any other team, even, even if you played for the most famous, whatever, most successful team, any of that, you still have a right to your own privacy. So always just remember that is that like these, these things like, they shouldn't be happening to players, but if they are happening to players, it's not necessarily appropriate. Like it's what's not okay for you or your kids or, you know, your spouse or whatever. That's also not okay for a hockey player. So that that's, I think, the final thing that I want to say is that people are like, oh, my God, this is such a no. And also questioning whether or not Paul Bissonnette was reporting correctly or not like these are his friends that are giving him this information. And he said there were more than one of them that texted him. Right. So, like, it's not. It's not just like he didn't like pull this, you know, he didn't pull this out of thin air just to just just for controversy's sake. Right. And whatever issues I have with Paul Bissonnette or spitting chiclets or whatever, when this some, something like this comes up. Yes, you do have to consider the, 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 the source, but as like the NHL or the NHLPA, you do also have to investigate and see what happened and make sure that everything is above board. Like that is your job as the NHLPA, even if he made it up they would still have to investigate.
So, I mean, that's, I think the last thing that I want to say, Scott, did you have anything to add before we move on to our next segment? No, I think I'm actually good off of that, that it's like, and just because one person's comfortable with it doesn't mean everybody is, it's different from person to person. And that's, it's a situation that has a ton of nuance to it. And as we know, social media is the death of nuance in many situations. So, uh, Obviously, this will come to a head at some point here. No matter what, it's going to end with a whole lot of ugly and no one, I think, is in the mood for that. And there you have it. That is our episode. I want to thank you all for listening. And I want to remind you to send me your mailbag questions to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also tweet or DM them on Twitter to LO underscore Canadians. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag questions at the beginning so we know that you want us to read it on the Friday. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.